Well, it is my privilege to introduce to you our speaker this morning, Pastor John McLeod from Milgai, Scotland. Now, that's near Glasgow. And uh, I believe in this service, his wife, Carol McLeod, is here. Carol, are you here? I'm going to have you stand if you are so we can greet you. Carol McLeod and my wife, Phyllis. Phyllis is on the right. You know, be careful if you invite a speaker from Scotland. The demands they place on you for props is unbelievable. (laughs) And I am kidding. This is either providence or coincidence. We're not sure which. But what a way to welcome someone from Scotland. Five years ago, Colonial conducted a missions trip to Scotland, and we went to two specific churches. John McLeod was pastor of one of those churches, and we got to know each other. And over the last five years, it has just been a rich friendship, both with Colonial and even for me personally. He and I have attended pastor's conferences together and just have gotten to know each other at a very long distance. And Phyllis and I have had the opportunity to be in his new church uh, two times in the last uh, almost three years now. But John has been a pastor for 13 years, preaching expositionally, and you'll get a little taste of that in just a minute. But he pastored first in Loudoun Church in New Mills there in Scotland, had a two-year difficult stint in Bahamas. How about that for serving the Lord in the Bahamas? But he took an interim pastor role there. And then a change in his life. He left the Church of Scotland and went to Allender Evangelical Church there in Milgai. And it is a free church. And uh, the Lord has blessed his ministry. And aside from all of that, what I can tell you is he's a very dear friend. Let's welcome John McLeod to our pulpit. Well, thank you so much. And thank you, Wayne, for the warm welcome that I've received today. And indeed that my wife and I have received since we came here. I'm glad it was Wayne that asked her to stand uh, and not me. There'll be no trouble for me later on. Uh, But we do really appreciate the setting. It uh, makes us feel quite at home to see a castle. And the effort you went to 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 make the skies gray and bring rain, that's just... That just went beyond uh, all all reasonable hospitality. And I know it sounds strange that uh, somebody should be called to go to the Bahamas to serve the Lord, but, you know, for a Scotsman to be exposed to that much sunshine was a risk. And... uh, We're thankful to God for that opportunity. That actually happened about six months after we first visited, or even less actually, uh, probably about three or four months after we first connected with Colonial in 2008, we ended up going to the Bahamas. So please pray for our children back home in Scotland. I think they're worried uh, what might happen next. But uh, we're uh, blessed uh, and so thankful for the fellowship we have in Christ with Christian believers throughout the world, but especially believers within this congregation. Like I say, we met uh, in 2008, and I've been so thankful for the encouragement and for the prayers of people in this congregation, and uh, especially friendship that's grown with Wayne and with Phyllis, and seeing so many familiar faces today from those who came to Scotland on that first trip. It's, it's uh, amazing. I really hope that I'm aging as well as you guys are, because uh, it's wonderful to see you all. And it's especially wonderful For me, I feel privileged to be asked to be part of the summer series and uh, to share in the preaching of God's Word. I esteem 
the, the pulpit ministry of this congregation, and uh, I value it greatly. So to be in this pulpit and to be here bringing the Word of God is a tremendous honor uh, and encouragement uh, for me. I want uh, to turn to Acts chapter 2. Wayne read some of it earlier for us, and I just want to read another couple of verses towards the end of the chapter. This is Peter's day of Pentecost sermon, and uh, we're going to read just towards the end. Uh, His very last sentence has recorded for us, and then what happens after it in verse 36 of Acts chapter 2. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, the him being this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, He bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. May God bless the reading of his wonderful word. Can we just say a word of prayer before I go further? Father, we're conscious that you have retained the record of your word to your people through the generations. And we know we live in a day where many despise it and reject it. And yet in the greatness of your providence, we have it. And so we ask that we would not misuse it, that we would never neglect it, that we would always cherish it, that we would often read it and that we would always obey it. And we know, Lord, that you are the God who honors your name and your word above all things. And so I pray that even as we seek to understand and unfold the meaning of your word to us today, I pray that our hearts would be ready, our minds would be receptive, and their lives would receive a message from God today. In the name of Jesus Christ, your Son. Amen. In Scotland, we often meet American, Australian, and Canadian tourists who make the journey to our nation to try and trace some of their heritage and maybe find some connection with the ancestral clan name or the ancestral home, and I'm sure there are some of you here, I've met some in the earlier services who have already indicated that they can identify with that search and connecting with your history. Uh, I would caution you, there are uh, some disappointments for those who do this. Uh, When we lived in New Mills in Ayrshire, we were once visited by a couple who had come from Australia. 
they had been at the Central uh, Records Office in Edinburgh and had been assured that there was a reference to one of their ancestors in the church records of Loudoun Church in uh, the village of New Mills in Ayrshire. So they diligently came to our church. They contacted me. They asked if they could see the records. And it, it was an amazing document that we held in the church. We had the records of the minutes of all the elders' meetings of that church, stretching way back to something like 1701. And they found the reference to their ancestor to discover that their ancestor had been removed from the church because of fornication. (laughs) Sometimes you might not need to know your human ancestry, and uh, maybe some things are best left in the past. But what I wanted to do today, recognizing that you as a church are committed to studying the, the book of Acts over these summer weeks in the summer series, was to bring us back to some of our spiritual heritage, to help us see some of the DNA that fashions the life of the church that God brought to existence on the day of Pentecost. We know that the church on the face of the earth today is is so vibrant and different in so many ways. We have all sorts of traditions. We have Baptists, we have Brethren, we have Pentecostal, we have Presbyterian, we have got all sorts of shades and all sorts of variances in the way that we express our church life. But if we believe the Word of God and the Word of God is central to what makes us a church, then there must be, there needs to be a group of characteristics or something that genuinely authenticates us as the church of Jesus Christ. We've been showing some of our friends here pictures of our children and you, you'll often, oh, he's so like you or, or she's so like her mother. You get these kind of expressions. There is something that reveals the continuity of the life. And the story that we're exploring and that you will be exploring in the book of Acts is a story that we believe continues in this world today with a degree of continuity from when it started, not just in the book of Acts, but when it started in the very beginning of creation, when God ordained that there would be people on the face of the earth who would represent him, who would know him, who would live with him, who would love him, who would obey him, who would glorify him. And isn't it wonderful to know that God still wants that for our lives? That the story that is unfolding in the history of the world is the story of a God who has moved powerfully, moved purposefully to continue his commitment to have on the face of the earth, even in the face of the rejection, even in the face of the brokenness, even in the face of the darkness, a people who know God, who represent God, who witness to God, and who glorify God. And friends, we want to be in that story. We want to be written in to what God is doing in the face of the earth today. Because the story that God is writing in the history of humanity is a story that's going to go on forever. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, with no less days to sing his praise.
What God is beginning in human lives when they come to faith is something that will continue inexhaustibly throughout all of eternity. That God is doing something and God is saying something and God is speaking in the world today and he's speaking to you and he's speaking to me and he's inviting us to be part of this great story of God's redeeming love that is being written across the cultures, across the languages, across the history, across the geography of everything that exists in this planet and everything that exists in all of the created order. And what I wanted to do, what I believe God laid on my heart to do, was to bring us back to that, that birth room experience of the church. Just as the child is born with a DNA that will shape its life, so the church is born in the power of the Holy Spirit with the DNA that will shape its life as it goes out into the world, and as you will hear in coming weeks more and more of how God moves through his church to extend his kingdom, and they go out into the various regions, they go to the different people groups, and the gospel is being preached, and people are being saved, and it's a wonderful story, and it's still being told. Not just as history, but as the most relevant development in the world to this day, And in this day, that people are still being told the message of Jesus Christ, still being offered eternal life in him, and still being encouraged to believe in God and to trust in God. Not because the church is a tremendous industry or the church is an incredible business, but because the God we read of on the day of Pentecost is the God who still speaks today and maybe even is speaking to one individual or many individuals in this place on this morning. Because what we read in Luke's account of what happened on the day of Pentecost as he shared the message that Peter had preached, he reminds us that the the apostle was encouraging and exhorting people to come to God. And he recognized that what he was handling in terms of the truth he was sharing was something that would transcend the generations. This promise is for you and for your children. It would transcend every cultural and geographical boundary and border, for it is for everyone, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And one of the most exciting things about preaching from the word of God is the belief that as this is being done, someone somewhere is hearing God speak to them. That's the wonder and that's my prayer as we're here today. It's not that you get to hear a fantastic Scottish accent, though I know that's worth hearing. (laughs) My longing, what nearly breaks me as we preach here, is the longing that one human soul at least, and many more I hope, will be conscious that the God of all eternity, the God of all glory, the God of all wonder, the God of all praise spoke to you today because he's the God who still speaks. And that's what Peter was encouraging people. This is the heart 
of the New Testament church. That as it begins in the power of the Spirit, and we know that we get excited and the church for years has got excited about everything that happened on the day of Pentecost. We love working out what was happening when there was a sound of a rushing wind. What did it look like when flames of fire, tongues of fire landed on people's heads? The whole issue of tongues that were spoken on the day of Pentecost. These uneducated Galileans who suddenly started speaking in other languages, declaring the excellencies of God. That's amazing. It's incredible. That somebody should, who had never been counseled or schooled or educated to speak a language, suddenly starts speaking another language and declares the excellencies of God. What's going on there? It's all mystifying. It's all wonderful and it's all amazing. And, and much has been written and much has been explored and much has been believed. And yet, when we look at what Dr. Luke wants us to know about the day of Pentecost, one of the things that is brought home so clearly to us is that one of the greatest evidences of the power and presence of the Spirit of God in Jerusalem that day was this. A message was proclaimed. Truth was preached. People were encouraged to come and to hear and to give their lives to a God who loved them and sent his son to die for them. And that's what I want simply to share with you today. I want you to know today that God still speaks. And while our language has changed, while the geography has changed, while so much has changed, there is a powerful message to be received that has not changed. And if that message could revolutionize 3,000 people in one day in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago, that message can revolutionize you. It can revolutionize me. And it will continue to revolutionize people till the day when all the work of God is done in this earth. And as believers, if you already trust in Christ, you need to affirm that confidence in this message in your own mind and soul more and more. Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. Peter preached and shared a message concerning Jesus Christ. And you need to have confidence that the message of Jesus still has the power to transform lives today. In Scotland recently, we've had a, a number of conferences for pastors and leaders. And it's interesting to note, even though they're sometimes from different theological streams within the church, that there's a common theme in what is being taught to the pastors and leaders in Scotland today. And it's this, have confidence in the gospel. We're living in an age where we're seeing many people disappear from church. We're seeing many churches, denominations declining at frightening rates. And one of the dangers is that we misinterpret what is happening and we start thinking that the message of Jesus Christ is no longer of any relevance to the human beings of the 21st century. That's one of the most dangerous thoughts that will ever enter your mind or my mind. That somehow we have to think of something else to fill the gap, to attract the people, to keep the institution or the group going. What's in our DNA? What's our history? What did God do in the beginning? Think of it. This is as faultless as a church could be. 
They hadn't got members yet. They hadn't formed pastors and elders groups yet. The Holy Spirit has just come. God in the third person. God is with his people. What does God do? He shares a message and he speaks. And it would be impossible for me today to assimilate in my mind and to gather information from every one of you about what's going on in your life and to recognize what you need and all the troubles and concerns you have. And even if I could even gather all that information, I probably couldn't do very much with it. But Peter preached one message and 3,000 lives with 3,000 different concerns, 3,000 different economic situations, 3,000 different health and medical situations, 3,000 different domestic situations were added to the kingdom of God. Not because they heard a message about being a better you, but because they heard a message of God's eternal love. Because they heard the wonder of the story of Christ coming into the world from glory to live a sinless life. And yet that Christ, though he lives in perfect obedience, gets driven to the cross. And God in that Christ, in the, in, in the wonder of all that takes place, it's God is dealing with our most pressing issues and our most urgent problems as Christ surrenders his life on that cross and cries out in agony. But thankfully, as we were reminded earlier as well, cries out in accomplishment, it's finished. The work is done. Every barrier that stops human souls coming to God is torn down. Every impediment to us walking with God is taken away. Everything offensive in the human spirit that would turn the holy face of God from us is removed so that the holy face of God can shine upon us in grace and favor and love and in mercy. And the God who once saw us as strangers and enemies embraces us as friends and his children. That's the message that transforms. That's the message that changes. That's the message that brings life. It's the message that makes sense of life. That was one of the things that happened as Peter began to preach. There were people who were mocking what was happening. They saw these guys speaking and preaching the wonders of God in funny languages that were aware that something strange was happening and they mocked, they ridiculed. And there were other people who genuinely inquired about what was going on. And I wish that life was so simple that we could just categorize every human being into one of, or two of these camps. But there are a varied groups of, of people in the world today who wrestle and struggle with all the spiritual things and the, the, the eternal things that they hear about. And they just don't know where they go. Some are willingly mocking the gospel of Jesus Christ to this day. Others are just confused and concerned about what's really happening. And when Peter begins to preach, he brings understanding and he brings clarity. He brings explanation as to all that's happening. What is really going on here? 
it's really good that somebody brought a word of explanation to me very quickly this morning when I was greeted by a monk as I came through these doors. <laughs> and I'm certainly glad that before uh, anyone in Scotland see this on the internet, that they understand that this was all part of the advertisement for your vacation Bible school and that their pastor hasn't gone to preach to a church that's led by a, by a monk, by an old tradition. We need information, we need clarity, we need explanation. And Peter's Pentecostal preach does that. The preaching that took place on the day of Pentecost is preaching that spoke to the hearts and minds of human beings and said to them, if you listen to what God is saying, you will get an understanding of what's happening in this world. You will have an understanding of what's happening in life. That is what your pastor, I fully believe, does week by week from this pulpit, is preach the word of God in such a way that your minds are informed, your hearts are enlarged, and you have understanding about life. You learn how to live through the revelation of the word of God to you. That's not saying you have an answer for everything. That's not saying you no longer have any difficulties. That's not saying that every challenge is removed. But it is saying that when the word of God is preached as God would have us preach it through his spirit according to his authority, that God is speaking in such a way that lives get changed, lives get transformed, lives get helped, lives get understanding. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones had one of the most influential expository ministries in the United Kingdom. He was a Welshman and he ministered in Westminster Chapel. You can find his writings and his teachings. I mean, he would have taken about four weeks just to do the verses I'm doing today because he went through the Word of God, word by word, expounded it faithfully to his congregation. He had left a career in medicine to become a pastor. As someone who worked in one of the most prestigious medical areas in, in the Western world, in Harley Street in London, as he continually dealt with broken human lives, as he continually ministered through medicine to, to all the different human scenarios that came before him, Dr. Lloyd-Jones came to the conclusion that he could do more good for human beings through preaching the Word of God than he could ever do through dispensing medicine. And that's a remarkable conclusion for a medically trained, gifted physician to come to. And indeed, it's a conclusion that I don't know of many people, even in, in Lloyd-Jones's Britain, would believe today that the church and the Word of God can do more for my life than medicine and the medical industry. But I believe that's what we learn through the kind of preaching we find in the New Testament on the day of Pentecost, that the Word of God comes in power to give us understanding, to give us clarity, to instruct us, to teach us, to guide us, to counsel us. Not so that life is forever perfect in this world, but so that we are prepared and equipped for everything this life throws at us and we are perfected for life in the next world. You've got to have a bigger vision for your existence 
than the days you have in this world. Because God made you for more than the days you have in this world. And his word is given to shape us, to prepare For these guys who received the Holy Spirit and heard the first message at Pentecost, it was not a pathway into a better career. It was not a pathway into success. Preachers of the first century church were martyred. It cost them their very lives. They were were persecuted. They were hated. They were chased. But they still preached. Because they were looking for something greater than comfort. They were looking for the eternal reward of a loving Father in heaven. And so we need to listen to messages. We need to hear preaching that clarifies life, that brings understanding in our times of difficulty, that makes sense of all the stuff that doesn't make sense in the ordinary, everyday events of life. And Peter does that through turning to biblical authority. When you see the sermon that he preached, or at least what's presented to us of the sermon, it's not a complete manuscript. At least it better not, because it only lasts for three minutes if you read it. And most preachers have drifted from that over the centuries. But what Peter what Luke, sorry, preserves for us of Peter's sermon is something of a template that helps us understand how we are to handle the Word of God, how we want to be used today by the Holy Spirit as we communicate to people. And one of the things that comes through this sermon clearly is the need for biblical authority. That when we exhort people, when we encourage people, when we inform people, when we explain to people, we do so from the basis of the authority that is to be found in the Word of God. Now, I know that to many of you, you you know this and you believe this, and I praise God for it. But I also know that in our world, there is the temptation to drift from that authority. And indeed, we're seeing it in Scotland. And it's not even in the political realms. It's not even in the social realms. It's often in the ecclesiastical realms that we are seeing a massive drift from a conviction about the authority of the Word of God. And we bring all sorts of other things. And indeed, sometimes if you listen carefully to preaching, you will understand that there is always a temptation for any preacher to drift from biblical authority and to start using something else as the basis of what to share with you. Personal experience. And who had a greater personal experience that he could have shared? And I confess I would love to know a lot of it. What it felt like for Peter to go through the experience of denying Jesus as he watched Jesus being uh, falsely tried and as he watched the the, the people turn on Jesus and, and assault Jesus and he had to watch that and remember the story we learn of him how he three times denied that he knew this Jesus. As Jesus had prophesied it would happen and he ends up broken in tears, weeping over his failure. 
There are many times in my life when I wish I would know more of what Peter went through because I want to understand how do we get restored from our times of failure. But Peter doesn't share that. Nor does he share with us the wonder of how it must have felt to discover the mercy and grace and forgiveness of God when Jesus highlighted Peter as the one who was to be told that Jesus is alive on the first Lord's day when he's raised from the dead, go and tell the others, and Peter, that I'm alive. Or what did it feel like to be, to be on the beach that morning when the resurrected Jesus ministers to you and restores you and says, Peter, feed my lambs, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. What a testimony, what a story. The books and DVDs he could have made out of that story we could live off forever. But when Peter preaches, he does not preach his experience. He preaches from the authority of the Word of God. Now, don't misunderstand me. Sometimes it's incredibly helpful to hear personal testimony. And sometimes it is one of the most glorifying things we can do is to tell people what God has done in us and for us. But my concern as a preacher is this. It's not for you to go out these doors to tell the world what God did in John McLeod's life. It's for you to go out these doors knowing what God wants to do in your life. And that his word is for you. His word has authority over you. His word speaks to you. His word will shape you. His word will grow you. His word will define you. His word will cultivate you. Not because a preacher said it or because a church tradition said it. Because God himself has said it. And the DNA of the Christian church is one that relies and is shaped on preaching that has biblical authority and preaching that is Christ-centered. You see, if I told you some of the wonderful things God has done for me, and I could, even in the last few days. He's done things to bless me, that humble me. But what you need when you leave this place today is the knowledge of a God whose heart is towards you and who wants to bless you. Somebody once said, God has no grandchildren. Some of you will find that hard to take because grandchildren are some of the greatest rewards. As a Scotsman once said to me, if I know what fun my grandchildren were, I would have had them first. <laughs> but what the statement meant is simply this. There are no second-hand relationships in the kingdom of God. God wants you to be his son. He wants you to be his daughter. He wants you to have that closeness. He wants you to have that knowledge of him. And that's why the message that you need to hear today is not my story, it's the story of the Christ who loved you and gave himself for you. That's what Peter preached on Pentecost. He preached the, the, the facts about Jesus. He preached the fact that he came, he preached the fact that he lived, he preached the fact that he did miracles. He proclaimed proclamation 
It's not a word we're so keen on. It's a word the world hates when it deals with Christian ministry. Oh, you just, you, you just say things and you tell us things. That's right. Because they're true things. And they're real things. Jesus, the Son of God, really did come from heaven. Really did get born in lowly conditions through a miracle, through a, a, a virgin's life. And Jesus really did live an obedient life to God. Jesus really did perform the miracles, perform the wonders. There is in the history of this world the most amazing person that ever lived. He's greater than all the superheroes we teach our children. He's greater than the greatest of all humanity amassed together. And yet we crucified his righteousness and his perfection and his glory and his love was offensive to us and we crucified him and yet God is so great and God is so merciful that actually rather than destroy us for destroying his son, he actually reveals to us that he purposefully used the whole incident to speak to us about the wickedness of our human hearts and the reality of his eternal merciful forgiving heart. And you need Jesus. I need Jesus. And the heart of the message that transformed the world is a message about Jesus. What he has done, who he is, what he has accomplished, where he is now. He has ascended, he says, to the right hand of the Father. And it's from there that he, with the Father, they have poured out the Holy Spirit upon him. God is here today. The supply of the Holy Spirit is not diminished. There's not a drought of God's presence. There's often a drought in our heart of the awareness of his presence. And there are often times when we grieve him. There are often times when we offend him. There are times when individually and often corporately we lose the sense of the knowledge of the glory of the presence of God with us. But don't let our failings deny us the wonder of the truth of the word of God. That Jesus Christ lives and reigns. And Jesus Christ poured out his spirit so that you and I to this day, from the church that has grown since Pentecost, would know the reality that we can have hope, we can have life. We can be woven into the story of God's redeeming love. Our names are written in his hands. Our names are graven in his heart that the story of God that goes on for eternity will include everyone who believes. Don't you want to be a part of that? That's your greatest need. That's my greatest need today. I'd love to be healthier. I'd love to be wealthy. I'd love all these things. But these things are going to stay here. What I want, what I need, is to have that bond with Christ that goes beyond the grave, that goes beyond time, that goes beyond this life. That message was preached at the beginning. It's preached to this day. And it's a message, as Peter discovered, that demands a response. What shall we do? Repent and be baptized. Receive the forgiveness of your sins. Very few people believe today that they have sins. We've tried to educate that out of people in so many disturbing ways. 
But again, it doesn't matter how much we say it. If the Bible says sin is a problem, sin is a problem. It doesn't matter if we say different when God has said something. It's his word that stands. You may need to know today the forgiveness of your sins. You may be in this place today and you know that you need to be written into this story. You want to be part of what God is still doing in this earth. And the invitation is before you. Not from my lips, but from the lips of God himself. It shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let's pray. Father, we would pray today for the blessing of Pentecost to be in this place. The blessing of the revelation of God's eternal love to human hearts. And I turn in prayer to the words of the hymn writer Charles Wesley who said, Spirit of faith come down, reveal the things of God and make to us the Godhead known and witness with the blood. Tis thine the blood to apply and give us eyes to see who did for every sinner die hath surely died for me. May your church in this place grow as the church did in the beginning through the addition to the group of the lives of those who were being saved. God, unleash your saving power, we pray, that we might tell the wondrous story of the Christ who died for us. Amen.